Earlier this week, a, a friend of mine shared a post on Facebook, and it started with this phrase. Would you ever blindfold yourself and eat whatever someone fed you? Uh, now, you may be surprised because we've talked about how much of a foodie I am, but you may be surprised to know that I don't think I would. I don't think I would. Because who knows what they would give me? Maybe the person would be cruel and, and crush up a bunch of rubber soles from shoes or something and feed it to me. Or maybe they'd give me worms instead of spaghetti. Or maybe someone would be really cruel and really not like me and give me gasoline to drink instead of water. And I'd have no way of knowing until it was already in my body hurting it. But even if I was guaranteed to be food, even if it was guaranteed that what they were giving me was food, I still don't know that I would do it. Because even though I like food, I don't necessarily need to eat liver. I don't need to have blood soup. I don't need to eat tongue. Those aren't on my list of things that I'd like to eat. And I know some of you would say, no, you wouldn't do it, because even if you were guaranteed to have food, you have food allergies. And how would that food affect your stomach? How would it affect you? Maybe you have a peanut allergy, and you could actually die from eating that peanut-filled food. And so I don't think any of us would just blindfold ourselves and eat whatever somebody gave us. We are very protective of our bodies. We would have to trust the person who is giving us the food with our lives. And there are very few people that we trust that much. I'm not even sure I trust Anne. I would want to know what's going into my body. The question I have for you this morning is, are we that protective over our spiritual health. We are very protective when it comes to what we're taking in, physically speaking. But are we that protective when it comes to our spiritual health? That's what Paul addresses with the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We are in verse 11. Here's what Paul says. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Remember the context of 2 Corinthians. Paul was the mission pastor who started the Corinthian church. He came to Corinth. He had no core group members. He had less than we had here in Liberty Hill when we started. He had zero. And he starts preaching and teaching Jesus. And from there, he gathers believers. They start worshiping. For a year and a half, he stays in Corinth, building up the leaders of the church. And then he leaves to go start other churches and to check on the churches that he's already started. And as he's gone, as he's gone, some other so-called apostles show up. And they're flashier than Paul. They're better speakers than Paul. They look the part. They're more entertaining. They're easier to listen to. And pretty soon, what are the Corinthians doing? Opening wide their hearts to these so-called apostles. And in doing so, they are withholding 
their hearts from Paul. The Greek word for withholding there uh, means to crowd or cramp. And so literally, they've opened their hearts so wide to these so-called apostles that it's cramping and crowding Paul out. And Paul says, look, we have opened our hearts wide to you. And really, he could have went on to say, despite how terribly you've treated us, but he didn't. He said, we've opened our hearts so wide to you in an exchange, in a fair trade, open wide your hearts to us. Now stop and think about that paragraph. How does it hit you? What's your impression of Paul from these three verses? I think just a reading of the text, you sit there and say, man, Paul, you're a little desperate. You're a little territorial. Maybe you're a little bitter because the Corinthians like these apostles better than you. It's okay, Paul, get over it. Get over it. It's not a big deal. You were here. You're no longer here. They like these preachers better. It's okay. Everybody has a different style. Everybody likes a different style. It's no big deal. Good thing there's enough styles to fill everybody's wishes. But that wasn't good enough for Paul. Because it wasn't about just allegiance. It wasn't just about him being territorial. It wasn't about his feelings getting hurt. There was something deeper. And the deeper thing is while they were closing their heart to Paul, they were closing their heart to the truth. The truth of God's word. These preachers were flashier and more entertaining, kept their, uh, captivated their attention better, but they were also preaching falsely about Jesus. And Paul says, you are opening wide your heart to these false preachers and you are closing your heart to those who speak the truth. We want to open our hearts wide, but to what? It's your first point this morning. We want to unite to those who speak the truth. Yes, we want to open our hearts wide to those who are preaching the truth of God's word. This wasn't about Paul's ego It wasn't about him being territorial. It wasn't just because they liked these preachers better. At the heart and soul of it all is Paul's concern for the Corinthians' faith, for their eternal destination. And they were opening their hearts wide to what would hurt them spiritually. Just like we are physically concerned about our physical health, Paul says be concerned about your spiritual health. In America, in the last couple of years, there's been a huge turning point to healthy living. And because of that, do you know which fast food chain has gone skyrocketed in popularity? Go ahead, shout it out if you know it. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Why? Because Chick-fil-A, you know you're getting what? Real chicken. Real chicken. And places like McDonald's, And Burger King and all these other places have actually had to shift and add some healthier options because of people's health conscience these days. And if you've never had Chick-fil-A, you're missing out. Go ahead. I know all of you. How many of you like Chick-fil-A? Yeah, Alan, I saw your hesitation. Uh, For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I've got to assume you haven't had it or you just don't want to follow the crowd because Chick-fil-A is delicious. 
highly recommend the grilled nuggets. You have the grilled nuggets tomorrow because Sunday they're closed. If you have them tomorrow, you will not get anything else on the menu because they are just that good. Now, <laughs> we are so concerned about what we're taking in. If we have the option between Chick-fil-A or something else, we'll probably take the healthier option because we want to be healthy. Are we that concerned about our spiritual health? Do we realize that everything we take in affects us spiritually? The Instagram reels you watch, the TikTok videos, the media you watch and listen to, all of it you take in and it shapes you and forms you and fashions you and it can impact your faith. Now I'm not saying don't watch those things. I'm not saying don't listen to the news. But do you have a process to take it in and then get it out so that it doesn't hurt your faith. We want to unite to those who speak the truth. And I'd like to say that this doesn't happen in the Christian church. That you can go to any Christian church and you can hear the truth. But check out this survey from 2004. 17 years ago. And so where it's at today, I'd like to think it's better, but I don't know. Here's the Barna Group surveyed pastors across America and here's what they wanted to know how many agreed to these statements God is the all-knowing and all-powerful creator of the universe who still rules today Jesus Christ never sinned Satan is real salvation is received through faith in Christ not by good deeds every follower of Christ is responsible to share their faith the Bible is accurate in all it teaches Absolute moral truths exist. Absolute moral truths is described in the Bible. What percentage of the pastor surveyed do you think agreed 100%? If you have a number, go ahead and throw it out. Did someone say 80? 40? 10? 51%. 51%, about half of the pastors in America agree 100% with all those true statements from the Bible. And people are, te are listening and are they concerned about their spiritual health? Who are you listening to? Are you going back to the Word of God to see if what you hear is true? Are you concerned about what you're taking in, spiritually speaking? I saw this quote this week, and I thought it uh, fit really well here. Most modern Christians have formed their theology, their study of God, by people they've heard instead of by Scripture they've studied. Open your Bible. Most modern Christians have formed their theology by people they've heard instead of by scripture they've studied. Open your Bible. Why is that concerning? Because 17 years ago, only 51% of people, of pastors, agreed to 100% of those statements before. What are you taking in? Who are you listening to? Open your Bible. Do you know who's included in this? Stephen Apt. 
don't just come and listen to me and just assume what I'm saying is true. I like to think I am saying what's true, but compare what I'm saying to the Word of God. Open up your Bibles and see what the truth is. Grow in the truth. What are we taking in? Unite to those who speak the truth. Don't just blindfold yourself and eat whatever somebody wants to feed you spiritually, but get in the Word of God and study it. This is Paul's point. This is his point. Corinthians, you are opening wide your heart to these false preachers, and they are feeding you something that is spiritually unhealthy. Unite to us. We may not be the flashiest, Paul's saying. We may not be the best speakers, but we're speaking the truth, the truth of God's Word. Open your hearts to us. And that's what we want to do. We want to open up wide our hearts to the truth of God's Word, to those who preach and teach God's Word, the truth that we are sinners. It's not popular. We don't like to hear it. It's kind of like broccoli or a vegetable you don't like. You don't necessarily like it, but it's good for you. And it's good for us to hear that we are sinners, that we have failed to meet God's holy expectation. And that the wages of sin is death. It's good for us to hear that truth. Because then we get to a point where we say, I can't save myself. And God says, exactly. Let me tell you the truth of God's word, that Jesus, God's son, came to this world to be our substitute, to take on our sin, to die on the cross, to pay for all the sins of the world, to pay for our sins, to conquer the grave so that we have reconciliation with God that we are at peace with him for eternity. That's the truth of God's word. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son as your substitute. That is the truth of God's word. Why is this so important? Why is it so important to hold on to the truth? Why is Paul so urgent about this? Because the Corinthians' eternal life was on the line. And so was ours. We eat something that's physically not good for us to eat, and we have all kinds of problems. We could even die. We eat something spiritually that isn't good for us, and it has eternal impact on us. It could have eternal impact on our eternal life. Paul says, hold on to the truth of God's word. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through him. It's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus has died and rose again. All you have to do is this. It's not Jesus is your great example. It's not Jesus is some social justice warrior. 
It's not Jesus' whole purpose for your life is to be healthy, wealthy, and live your best life here. It's Jesus, your substitute, who's taking your sins away. That's the truth. And we want to unite to those who speak the truth for our eternal health. Open wide your hearts to those who speak the truth. And what about those who don't? Corinthians, what about the ones that you've been listening to, these false apostles? Paul tells us, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, another name for Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What do we do? Corinthians, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Harsh. Paul says these false apostles, they're not even Christian. They have so messed up the person of Jesus that they are unbelievers. Later on in the, in the letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about them again, these false apostles, and he says they are masquerading as children of light, but they're actually children of the devil. They look the part, they talk the part, but they have messed up on who Jesus is, the truth of Jesus. And Paul says they are unbelievers. He says, don't join them. Don't be yoked together. Being yoked is, for the, the image you, we have in our minds, is two animals that with the yoke on top of them, and wherever one goes, the other follows. Where this one goes, this one follows. They go straight, they go side. They are yoked together. Paul says, don't be yoked together with the unbelievers, with those false prophets, those false apostles. And so that's your second point today. We want to unite to those who speak the truth and separate from those who speak falsely. Paul hammers home the point by asking five questions here. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. What fellowship can light have with darkness? None. Light comes up, the darkness goes away. Darkness comes up, the light goes away. They're never intermingling. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Absolutely nothing. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Nothing. Paul says, separate. Separate from those who are speaking falsely about Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Paul says, separate. Why? Because we have something even better. Look at what he says. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God. And they will be my people. God says, when he looks at us, he says, these are my people. These are my people 
and I'm their God. He says, come out and be separate, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The God of this world looks at you and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I'm your father. We have something far greater, and that is fellowship, unity, with our God. We can either be united to Him and the truth, or we can be united to those who speak falsely. We can't have it both ways. God says, come out. Live separate. For look who I am. Look what I've done for you. Now this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that you can't be friends with non-Christians. What it does mean is we don't join in activities and participate in things that are going to hurt our faith. If the activity they want to do, if, the, if what they're doing is going to hurt our faith, if they're speaking falsely, we separate. Because we are united to God and the truth of Jesus. This is why we want to unite to those who speak the truth. Open our hearts to those who speak the truth and close it to those who speak falsely. Eternal life is on the line. A relationship with God for eternity is on the line. And Jesus, plus something, will not equal God as our Father. Jesus, as our great example, and simply using Him to follow an example to get right with God, is not going to help. Jesus, a social justice warrior, is not going to bring reconciliation. Jesus, the God who wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy here on earth, is not going to bring you reconciliation with God. That happens through one way, and that is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In his substitutionary act for you and for me, that is what brings us the status of God's son, of God's daughters, and he is our father for eternity. We want to hold on to this truth. We want to hold on to the truth of Scripture, that it's through Jesus his death and resurrection, that we have eternal life and peace with God. And we want to unite to those who speak it, who preach it, who proclaim it. And whoever gets it wrong, we want to separate from. This is why we don't want to just blindfold ourselves and take in whatever we want, whatever someone feeds us. We want to go back to the Word of God and say, what does God say about that? And what we're going to see in the truth of God's word, is Jesus our Savior, Jesus our substitute, that through Jesus, God is our Father, we are his people for eternity. May God be with us as we grow in the truth, as we grow in our Savior and what he's done for us, as we grow in the message of the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the life eternal. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the truth of your word. We thank you that we don't have to question it. We thank you that as we listen to people who preach your word, we have something to check. And that is your powerful word that is all true. Help us to study it. Help us to know it. Help us to grow in it uh, so that we know what we're hearing is true and good for us and what is not good for us. Uh, it's a difficult thing, but as we uh, hear the word of God, and we, we hear people speaking the truth, help us unite to them. 
And then let us separate from those who are speaking falsely uh, about who Jesus is, who changes who Jesus is and what he's done, uh, because our eternal life is on the line. We, we thank you that you have taken care of that. We thank you that uh, our eternal salvation has been won solely and only through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for the assurance of the forgiveness of sins, life eternal, and that that is the truth, that through him we stand forgiven and dearly loved by you. Help us to let this motivate us uh, to grow in your word, to know the truth better and better, because the more we know the truth, the easier it is to detect a lie. Help us to grow in this every single day. Amen.